What role do colleges and universities play in building an anti-racist future? This podcast series, Building the Anti-Racist College and University, seeks to begin examining this question. Through interviews with administrators, faculty, researchers, policy experts, historians, and students, each episode in this series examines one important piece of beginning to conceptualize anti-racist colleges and universities of the present and future. This series was produced as part of a term project during fall 2020 for Higher Education Leadership 7372, Diversity and Culture in Higher Education at Sam Houston State University in Huntsville, Texas, United States. The foundation for this project was Ibram Kendi's 2019 text, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Each student in the course designed one episode seeking to unpack, question, problematize, or dissect a particular area related to building anti-racist colleges and universities. The series in no way is exhaustive, prescriptive, or capable of answering every question. But collectively, the series adds to an ongoing conversation in higher education about anti-racist futures. We hope it inspires dialogue, reflection, engagement, and action on colleges and universities in the United States and around the world. We hope it inspires ongoing work, research, activism, policy, local, regional, national, and international action. We hope it brings us one step closer to an anti-racist future in post-secondary education. This episode is Language Racism on College Campuses. Good morning. I'm Christopher Dudley. I'm a second year doctoral student in the Higher Education Leadership Program at Sam Houston State University. Um, today we have Dr. Atesh, and um, I'm so excited to uh, finally meet you virtually. I know we've been communicating via email, so I'm excited to meet you virtually. The pleasure and, is mine. <laughs> yeah, we're very excited today. So uh, thank you again for agreeing, agreeing to share your expertise today. Um, this interview is just one conversation that's connected to a larger class project that we're doing this semester uh, with Dr. Paul Eden. Um, and we're working on envisioning an anti-racist college or university. And so we're using the concepts from Ibram Kennedy's book, uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist. Uh, and so the text challenges the reader to explore concepts, ideas, actions, and policies through the lens of racist or anti-racist. And I'm sure as you know, Dr. Tesha, if for, for some that 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 could that eliminates gray areas, which could be challenging. And so it really focuses us, and what we're going to focus on today is really to explore language in institutions of higher learning through Kennedy's paradigm, particularly as it relates to policies, systems, ideas that could potentially uh, produce racial inequity and exclude minoritized student groups on college campuses. And so uh, with that introduction, um, I, I just uh, wanted to 
um, get an opportunity to learn a little bit about your professional background, your research interest, and just the introduction into who you are. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you, Chris, for taking the time to um, giving me a voice to talk about um, the things that I um, care about as a person and as a researcher. And this uh, podcast gives me that outlet to discuss these important issues in higher education. So to tell you a little bit about myself, I am originally from Turkey, uh, was born in the US to uh, Turkish parents. And um, I finished my uh, bachelor's degree in Turkey in foreign language education. Um, and that entails um, how the pedagogical and educational uh, perspective when it comes to teaching languages. So um, I did study uh, various languages, but my uh, main focus was English. And um, once I finished that um, as a graduate degree, um, there is an extension of when you wanna focus in English language teaching, um, our um, area goes into um, applied linguistics as well as uh, the TESOL uh, program. And TESOL program is uh, the acronym for teaching English to speakers of other languages. Okay. And um, so I uh, did that, I completed the degree at Michigan State University. And then um, after that, um, I went to my doctorate in uh, Texas A&M in College Station. And my specialization was ESL, English as a Second Language and Multicultural Education. So, um, so that is the background that I have professionally. And then I ended up doing um, my research on um, native, um, non-native English speakers. And at the university setting that um, entails the teaching assistance more so, the international teaching assistance and about their experiences, how the undergraduates were perceiving them in the classroom and how the uh, international teaching assistants experiences were teaching as, as non-native speakers in front of, in, uh, to the group of native undergraduate students. So because we'll talk about that, there's a lot of linguicism that is happening in higher ed um, based on accent, based on where the instructor is from and how the native English speaking students and sometimes not only native English speaking students are marginalizing the international um, teaching assistants or faculty in the classrooms. So that research, uh, so I completed that and that from that day on, I, um, I'll, I'll tell you about it, you'll find it interesting. Uh, I also uh, do research in world Englishes. It's a term that not a lot of people know. And I also uh, do, of course, uh, critic, uh, critical 
responsive teaching pedagogies uh, related to everything that you know because I'm a teach in teacher preparation right I uh, work with the teacher candidates so that's what I do on day day to day basis every day. Yeah, well, I, I think is I think is it was interesting. Thank you for sharing just your maturation process to landing at that at your dissertation topic. And um, you you mentioned the word uh, linguism. Mm-hmm. And and so let's let's just start there and 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 unpack the meaning of that word. What does it mean? And um, can you share some ways in which um, you have seen this demonstration? on a on a in a collegiate environment could be in a mm-hmm. classroom or just in an academic setting absolutely well linguicism is also that's the term that we use in our field but in um, more uh, simple terms like uh, language racism is also a way of understanding because linguicism uh, is 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 um is more difficult for some to understand. So uh, linguicism is, so I'll use our our term, Uh, linguicism is when someone is discriminated against um, based on um, their language. So what we mean by that is the language they speak, uh, could be the first language they speak, it could be within the first language that uh, linguicism could happen. And we see that very often in, uh, in um, you know, Latinx communities where they speak predominantly, right, in Spanish or in black communities with Ebonics, right? And when they um, go, um, when, um, when they uh, are being discriminated against uh, using, you know, uh, Spanish or let's say uh, Black English, um, or and so it's not only just just within the international languages, but it does happen within the uh, language um, within uh, the you know U.S. language, you know, and dialects or um, accents as well. So, so that is basically what we refer to. And as we said, it could, uh, it, and I'll talk about it, it could happen in, uh, in, in even with the accent that you uh, have. Um, in, the, in the higher ed, it's, it's very common. And um, we usually don't talk about it as often as we want it to be uh, talked about because I'll talk from the international, for example, uh, teaching assistant or international uh, faculty, right? Uh, who do have accent, uh, they go to the classroom, they teach their classes, but then uh, the students complain that they don't understand the and professor. Okay. They don't understand their accent. And in, in some cases it is true, but in, in, some, in many cases it's not true when they do not uh, admit their own failures of not studying for the subject, following the class, but they attribute they, their failure towards not understanding. They say, I did not understand the uh, instructor's accent, for example. And I myself have also been um, by my students have been uh, initially when I came to the US 20 years ago and, and not too long ago, whenever a student doesn't like me, 
um, they always put in my end of the year evaluations that, oh, I didn't understand the professor's accent. And I oftentimes I tell them, I, I, I say, well, I think I'm intelligible. Maybe it's not the perfect English accent, but it is intelligible. And sometimes I say, I think it's sometimes it's more intelligible than some very thick Southern accents that uh, people might have difficulty understanding. So, so that is very uh, common in, 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 uh, in, the, in higher ed. And the same thing happens with accent regarding, um, again, an international or a Latinx uh, professor, right? They might have maybe not the standard and what is perfect English anyway, right? Who right. speaks? Is it a, uh, uh, an anchor, right? Or someone, a news, uh, a news, um, news anchor who is like, let's say CNN or NBC, is that what we uh, compete with? And, or is it something else? So, and then with uh, the same thing happens with uh, black professors. Uh, they do go in, um, in the classrooms in higher ed and um, some students when it's perfectly clear, some students will always um, besides um, other things related to race and some issues that they may have, they'll also, now we're talking about, you know, linguicism, they'll contribute not understanding the professor due to the way they speak, um, whether it be uh, the dialect of it, the accent or the speed of it, uh, any excuse that they can find. And that hurts the faculty a lot in their evaluation. It hurts the faculty when they are in higher ed moving in the ladders of uh, tenure and uh, promotion because the student evaluations are important uh, in uh, the teaching evaluations because you're evaluated in uh, research, teaching as well as service when you become a tenure track professor. It's really interesting that you bring up the teacher evaluation, which I, I think is 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 excellent. It's an excellent example and kind of just a segue into um, the next question I'd like to ask you. And it's really centered around um, policies mm -hmm. or practices or procedures that are in place that um, that could perpetuate language racism. And so um, I was wondering if, if you just could expand on that. And I know, you know, teacher evaluation is an example, but ex expand on maybe um, the, the the policies and the procedures and the practices that uh, potentially perpetuate language racism in an academic environment. Well, it starts with the English only policy itself, the U.S. The U.S. Uh, um, government has even though the U.S. does not have an official language, right? We never say, like in Canada, they say it is English and French, right? But in the U.S., there is not an official language, even though a lot of, you know, uh, predominantly the, the country speaks in English, right? But right. there is a policy, English-only policy, and that is basically accepting that English is the official language. And the reason that the US doesn't have um, an official language is due to its, um, uh, its um, the richness of the culture, right? That uh, 
um, the, the, the diversity of people. And they're not just officially, there are certain uh, states that have say, this is our official language is, is English or our official language is English and Spanish, but the whole country doesn't have that. So what I, what, what I want to connect the English only policy to, to, the, to higher ed is again, when, so that English only policy is speaking at the work environment and work setting in, 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 in English only. So even when the student or someone sees you and you speak to your colleague in your native language, um, the, 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 the students some, sometimes, you know, I do do that, right? Or uh, some students even comment, um, say like, oh, why, why is she speaking in her native language? Um, is she talking about me? Or, or you get into the elevator and people say like, Oh, people even oftentimes I uh, you know talk to a colleague in another in another language and the colleague says uh, someone says like oh I, <laughs> I was just wondering are you talking about me uh, just like is this and I'm like like why would I even talk about you right why would I even like you're not the center of my you know my conversation here uh so there is this insecurities that are happening but it all stems for language is power and um we constantly talk about this issue in the classes that i have um a lot of my students even say who are monolingual say why would i want to even uh learn another language um when i when the world wants to learn english and you're like and they're like i'm not the person says i'm not going to travel i'm going to stay here i don't i don't even if it's not um learning about other cultures they say like well i don't have money i'm, I'm going to stay put in here why would i even want to learn another language so uh but it, it is again uh, there is power in English. There is power in standard English that marginalizes, compare people to that standard English. Um, so that is why, um, as we said, someone who speaks with an accent, someone who, um, who doesn't speak mainstream is being discriminated against. And it's always, uh, uh, as I mentioned in teaching evaluations, your relationship with your, um, colleagues because language is power but language is also goes hand in hand with your culture too. talk about the power of English language okay. since we're like in the US um, the English when you even go to the British Empire or even when you think about the uh, about France or Spain and Portugal right what they have done is when they have in the past uh, conquered these lands all over the world, right? Um, they have, um, they have when they conquered and colonized different countries. The 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 the, the these, uh, as I said, France, Great Britain, Spain, and uh, Portugal, and others. They have um, used uh, the language to while they were colonizing, right? Not only the culture, they have uh, wanted people to convert to their own languages. So that's why when you look at, for example, um, 
all the uh, Central and South American countries, right? They have been colonized by Spain, and all through that, there's a they have they're all now except Brazil. They're talking Portuguese. North Africa has been colonized by France. Now, besides speaking Arabic, most of them speak Arabic. They also speak French. Uh, you look at Africa. Most of the African countries have been colonized, language again using power, and now not only they have, they're not using their um, languages, their indigenous languages or local languages, the first language that they, uh, and they, they speak is uh, Spanish, um, even Portuguese, Equatorial New Guinea speaks Portu Portuguese. Um, a lot of the uh, people in Cameroon speak French and then the local languages, right? So all those, all those have been uh, due to the power of language. Uh, so uh, they have not only wanted people to uh, uh, assimilate to their cultures, uh, right? The places that they have conquered and colonized. They also wanted them to learn their languages. So, uh, so those are the things that we need to look at in, initially. So when we say language is power, language gives you access to things that you may not have access. Why do a lot of the immigrants, let's say who speak uh, Spanish or Arabic, when they go to the ESL programs, you are the dean in one of, right, Lone Star. Um, they, you do have ESL programs. Do. What do they want first before they can be in the workforce? They want to learn the language, right? Yes. Uh, so they want to learn English because English gives you power. English gives you access or maybe access is power. Knowledge is power, right? So they want to learn the language to have access to power. The goal is not for students to assimilate to culture, but express themselves in thinking about that identity mm -hmm. uh, piece, you know, and to, mm -hmm. to force and, them to assimilate, that's, that's separating from identity. Yes, and that's what we tell in our students. And even in the graduate level, they constantly talk about assimilation. And we say that as educators, our goal is not to have cultures assimilate to the mainstream culture, but to acculturate. To the culture. Assimilation is letting them forget their language and culture. Is basically wiping, wiping out and erasing the culture. But acculturation is, is to maintain the culture and the language and, and all the things that come with it. So I, when they say like, you know, talk about, oh, assimilation, I'm like, no, 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 that's not the right word. Acculturation, not assimilation. That's not our goal. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny because even as we talk about that, you can draw parallels to um, the the portion of our conversation when you talked about the colonization of these languages in different countries. You know, you can draw that you can draw mm -hmm. that connection there. Um, and it is possible to uh, to to do that here, even even with the native speaker of mm -hmm. the language. It's possible to do that. And so uh, we really have to think about what we're doing. Um, when we're when we're in these environments with our and, students, and uh, the goalkeeper, I mean the gatekeepers of English only policies, or uh, that English is 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 the standard English is way to go, is is not accepting these uh, Englishes that have like Nigerian English, as I said, Singaporean English, and other Englishes. When we say like no, those are the those are 
what have uh, people are using with their local language and English, and that's that should be legitimized. That should not be marginalized, but those languages should be legitimized. So we're all for people who are researchers like that is to to to, to embrace and celebrate the local languages that people bring, uh, then to again uh, and legitimize them and empower them than to discriminate or uh, marginalize it against a standard English. So that's what, again, I'll, I'll send that article to you for you to have Please. a uh, better understanding because it only does not talk about that, but all the uh, layers of different um, issues regarding, um, yeah, language. Mm -hmm. Well, I think this does, and that, and that point exactly does transition us into the strategies. And so could you just talk to us about um, some strategies that um, institutions of higher learning could adopt um, um, in order for us to be anti-racist when it comes to language? Well, um, uh, first of all, it, it, um, they need to have policies themselves or, or thought process themselves as administrators, right? As schools, um, the idea that um, not everybody will um, speak the language the way they want, and they should um, look at um, because what I, the way that everybody should look, or uh, and so on. Because what what happens is is um, when when for example someone um, is speaking with an accent, right? Um, and doesn't speak the standard English. Um, there has been a lot of cases where, because student brings money to the to, to the institution, right? And they have um, put, um, they have removed those teaching assistants in some cases when they couldn't remove them because they're very qualified, right? Uh, they put them into accent reduction program which was very offensive in a way that not from a pedagogical point of view, but they went to like, okay, you go and get rid of your accent, but it was done very in a very ineffective way that was, um, that is, um, that was again, offensive. So, um, so they need to adapt themselves. Uh, the, it comes from not even like very specific tasks that, uh, people don't look or uh, <laughs> speak the same way, and that uh, language is part of diversity, and that we should we should uh, embrace it rather than removing the teachers or uh, faculty from the classroom. So yeah, like even just because you speak the language doesn't make you an expertise either, right? Like in the mm -hmm. writing centers, like we talk about that a lot now, but. They, they need to have the right tools, the pedagogical tools to help the students. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's I, the same for even the conversation partner things, strategies, right? If these students are in a casual way to like, if you have issues with uh, speaking, um, that uh, the 
it has to be in an you know in a in a way that again in a in following the pedagogical tools in terms of how you give feedback to someone when that you are um, speaking to them, not just like no no no, uh, uh, Chris, that's not how you do it. But there are ways to like we call it a recast. When you say something, let's say you said I go to a class. Uh, yesterday, and I said, "Oh, I just no, Chris. It's not quote. It's not. It, it's I, I went. No, that's not how we correct. Even we say to the students, you say like, oh, you went to school yesterday.' So the student says like, oh, okay. Like they recorrected themselves in their minds. Mm-hmm. You know those kind of things that we talk about. There are a lot of ways to help." But the important thing is the willingness. Again, it comes when we talk about an anti-racist um, education, the institutions need to be willingness to first off accept that there is an issue of there is a racism that is happening in, 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 in academia, right? And, um, and then when they acknowledge the problem, then there will be solutions. You need to acknowledge the problem and then the solutions, or you don't shove it under the mattress. You need to be able to to, um, seek guidance from the expertise that they do this for uh, for a living and for their, you know, they, they dedicated their, research and professional lives to all of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The advocacy is very important because it's very easy to just feel alienated in, in a world that could be very hostile to, to um, issues, right? That, you know, that are um, very important and you don't have the support that uh, you need to be having. And that starts with, um, again, um, not be a bystander, but uh, again, being solution oriented. And like you have, I've been here for nine years. None of the students have done anything like this beyond a TESOL student. Um, You're the first students who even even showed interest into this very important issue um, from the higher ed or other uh, programs. So that tells me that, um, you know, TESOL students are very aware of it. They go and, you know, uh, live this on day-to-day basis. But that tells me that we do have other um, uh, individuals who are passionate about this. And again, you asked where the source of the problem comes from or what it is, and then you said the last thing was again, solution. Okay, we have the problem, what kind of solution can we have and be solution uh, uh, oriented. So, and I appreciate again, your interest in this uh, topic. Well, that that brings us to the conclusion of our time together. And um, I just wanna say thank you mm-hmm. again. This is, um, this is this has been a good time together. It's been very informing for me. This podcast series was produced by Paul Eaton, Assistant Professor of Educational Leadership at Sam Houston State University. 
in conjunction with doctoral scholars enrolled in Higher Education Leadership 7372, Diversity and Culture in Higher Education, during fall 2020. You can contact Paul Eaton via email at pwe003 at shsu.edu. Content and perspectives presented in this series are intended for educational use. You can download a copy of episode transcripts and show notes at http colon backslash backslash bit.ly backslash anti-racist college. The views and opinions expressed on this program and series are those of the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Sam Houston State University. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Building the Anti-Racist College and University.